Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 306 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Zafran Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you today, Richard? Hey, Seth. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am doing uh, pretty well as well. We got some fun topics to talk about. We had some interesting tournaments over the weekend. But before we get to that, we have another co-host in Krim. How are you today, Krim? Morning, Seth. I'm doing quite all right. Ah, that is good to hear. So podcast-wise today, we have, I think, three main topics. Uh, we're going to talk Zendikar Rising Championship, which happened this weekend, featuring Standard and also Historic. So kind of covering the tournament. We also had a Watsy stream discussing upcoming secret lair stuff uh, for 2021 this past week. So we want to talk a little bit about that. We got some more Keldheim packaging that came out with, I guess, a a little bit more information that we can draw from it. And then, of course, answering your fish mail. So that is the overview for today's cast. But before we get to all that stuff, we got a uh, a sponsor today. And Krim, I think you wanted to let us know a little bit about who that is and what they're about. Yes, this sponsor is uh, quite a spooky one. Well, actually, here's the thing. Even though Halloween and all that's already gone, it, you know, the one thing that's great about it is that Shudder is spooky 24-7 365. Uh, that's, I, they've got tons of sweet exclusive titles coming this season. We've got Creepshow Animated Special, uh, Scare Me, starring Josh Rubin, Aya Cash, and Chris Red, the Mario Bava Collection. All of those are going to be some exclusive titles coming this season. And it's all for $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. They're pretty much the Netflix for horror movies. And if you're like me, you like, I mean, I, I actually just watched, uh, Color from Out of Space this past month on Shudder, and that was really sweet. Uh, and they, they have a bunch of other horror show or movies and shows and stuff like that, too. It can be streamed on any of your usual devices, an iPhone, iPad, and all that stuff, too. And then, uh, yeah, the greatest thing here is you can just go and get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes titles like the acclaimed Tigers Are Not Afraid, One Cut of the Dead, Revenge, and the Creep Show TV series, all done by Greg Nicotero uh, and based on the famous films by George Romero. So go try Shudder for free for 30 days. Go to Shudder.com and use the promo code GOLDFISH. And once again, that's Shudder, S-H-U-D-D-E-R, Shudder.com. So go drop our code GOLDFISH and you can get, you know, your trial for 30 days free awesome that sounds super sweet uh so with our sponsorship stuff out of the way let's talk about magic and let's start with the keldheim championship which happened this weekend it's not and, keldheim it's zendikar uh, rising Z- zendikar. i'm already I- i'm mixing together keldheim packaging zendikar rising okay zendikar i think, it's, I think it's because we also have scg's keldheim right <laughs> Yeah, there, there, there's too many different names going on for tournaments right now, I think. Zendikar Rising Championship happened this weekend, and uh, it was a split format, historic and standard. And before we talk about what happened at the tournament, I gotta ask you guys, did you realize this was apparently a equivalent of a pro tour, like a pro tour replacement event? Because I honestly had no idea. When I hear uh, Zendikar Rising Championship, I thought it was like, one of those things that you qualified for through arena and they let the MPL in because that's kind of what they do with tournaments. I had no idea it was like a pro tour replacement. Did either of you realize this was apparently like that big of a tournament? Uh, I did, but only because of, you know, like people posting about it constantly and their preparation and stuff like that. So, um, I, if I, if I 
yeah like it's it's all because i pretty much like have all those people followed on social media right like some of the mpl members and whatnot so thanks to social media yes yeah but what if you live under a rock like me (laughs) (laughs) and he looks like hey there's some deck lists up i'm like huh (laughs) i'm like hey it's it's a pro tour but it's split format but it's not limited and it's arena only uh, yep. And then the question is, how did you get here, right? Are you invited? Did you qualify somehow? Uh, I'm not sure, right? Uh, I think, I don't know. I, I think Wizards has dropped the ball in terms of advertising these things. Before it was very simple. Before it was new set release two weeks after there was a pro tour, right? And it's always counted on as limited followed by standard. Nowadays, we just get like random tournaments thrown at us at weird cadences like we just had worlds or the equivalent of worlds happen uh we just had the equivalent of a pro tour happen uh but it's coming like off the heels of commander legends right like the the last thing i remember is commander legends so the timing is weird and then of course it's it headlined historic um because wizards wants to promote historic uh so yeah it just felt like a new type of tournament to me but you know it it is a pro tour uh and (laughs) Pro tours are important know. to Magic. <laughs> I don't know why they did just call it, like, I don't know why they keep changing names. Like, we had Pro Tours and, like, Mythic Championships and Mythic Invitationals <laughs> and then Players Tours. And now, apparently, set name slash championship is a Pro not, Tour. Not like, even Zendikar Rising Mythic Championship. Like, it's not yeah, Mythic it's just anymore. Zender, what, what is it? Just Zendikar Rising Championship, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if they just said Pro Tour Zendikar Rising, I would intuitively know that that tournament mattered. But when I hear Zendikar Rising Championship, I don't. That sounds like a, a Magic Online event, like where you like play through the season, or an arena event where you like, I don't know, get top twelve hundred during the Zendikar, you know, Rising season, and then you play in this big event or like a SCG event where you compete during the week, and then this is like the championship on the weekend. So I just like had no idea this was a tournament that actually mattered until I was watching LSV stream last night and he kept retur- referring to it as a pro tour. I was like, oh wait, this was actually like, <laughs> this was a tournament that actually mattered. I had no idea, honestly. And I was even watching it and I didn't have any idea. Like, obviously there are a lot of good players, but I didn't actually connect that it was a pro tour level event. So maybe, I don't know, stop changing the names or at least market what the tournaments mean a little bit better, perhaps. Uh, might, might be a good idea, but Anyway, we had magic happen at this tournament. Richard, why don't you uh, walk us through the metagame a little bit, and then we can talk about uh, the decks that did well at the tournament. Ooh, yeah. All right, split format. Uh, so historic and standard with the um, the top eight bracket, or I guess the the final the final day being uh, historic. And metagame wise, uh, standard coming in Ghoul Adventures at twenty four percent. Mono Green Food at 17%, Demir Rogues at 17%, Teamer Adventures 11%, uh, Demir Control 10%, Woo-hoo-hoo! Esper Doom Foretold 9%, uh, and then Mardu Doom Foretold at 2%, and then other rounds it out at 9%. And then for Historic, uh, the most popular deck was the Sacrifice, uh, both Rakdos and Jund clocking in at 30% combined, and then uh mid-range <laughs> saltai and four color so basically like uro piles at 28.3 percent goblins at 12.5 percent azorius auras 6.5 percent azorius control five percent and the finals 
was uh, a card we all love near and dear doing things. Uh, which which Krim I'm sure would love to <laughs> to replicate, but it was Teferi Azorius control versus goblins, and in the end, we saw the classic flip my Azkanta, uh untap it with Teferi bury you <laughs> in card yeah. advantage. <laughs> let me let me drop my five mana bomb and then protect it on the same turn with a counter spell. Uh, so you know, actually, goblins wasn't actually that. You know, it's a, it's a pretty well-known deck, but it wasn't that represented at the tournament. Uh, but watching Buxus flips throughout uh, the the entire day and like uh, Autumn Burchett just piling that deck, and then but in the end, Teferi said no, and Teferi, big Teferi, because small Teferi is not playable anywhere. Big Teferi uh, just just shut it down, and then Azorius Control is going to flood the ladder now. Yeah, darn right it is. <laughs> I I actually am. Do you think it's actually good, Krim? Like for a random person to pick up and play on the ladder? Like, oh, I, definitely I'm a not. Skeptical. That's that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like people will try to play it, and they're gonna try to replicate it. And you know, there are a lot of like serious amount of decision trees that you're gonna have to make, especially in historic. Um, because remember, this sideboard is specifically for this tournament. As opposed, which people are going to try to take straight to the ladder. But I think that that's going to be a little interesting because, you know, like it's built for, uh, you know, like specifically this tournament, not the ladder. The ladder has a bunch of things on there. So that also then taxes your sideboard slot, which makes it interesting with, you know, your, when it comes to a control deck, you do want to actually mitigate the number of like, you know, bad cards, dead cards, whatever. And, uh, yeah, like it's, it gets a little weird when you try to like, you know, pretty much take, an exact 75 to the ladder that was meant for a pro tour yeah and i think it's probably a challenging deck to play compared to uh like either goblins or even uro pile where goblins or uro pile you just have these oops i win draws like you just muxes and accidentally right. win or uro's another card that like it's kind of training wheels for your control deck. Like, even if you play sloppily, if you're, like, getting Uro value and drawing extra cards and gaining life, right. you can still just win a lot of games because Uro is a standalone, like, just busted card. But the blue-white control deck, I mean, I guess you have Teferi, which can win a game on its own if it resolves, yeah. but otherwise... I'm going to be just, honest like, with you. It, it's, piecing it together. <laughs> it's good. Teferi's very good. But once again, I don't think that's, like, an auto-win, like how, how Uro is, right? Like, you answer it that's that right because it's not like they have like tons of ways to like shuffle it back in there's no like ether vial or not ether vial uh elixir of immortality so cards like uro and like goblins those are the decks that are just going to be very punishing when you stumble uh they also spiral out of control real quick so you know when you're playing this blue white deck you've really got to make sure your counter spells are are Kind of like your win conditions. Um, and you've, of course, got Shark Typhoon and stuff like that, too. So, I, I, yeah, like, it's, it's a very difficult deck to pilot. So, Teferi so, needs ETB, uh, reveal the top six cards of your library, put all planeswalkers into play. Then, then you would be in business. Yes, yes. In, it, give it to, give it one more year, and then the next Teferi will also do that. Yeah, like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Go, no, go no, no, no. We don't, I, I, I think Teferi untapping two lands, uh, unless you kill Teferi immediately, you, you probably lost already. It's like when they escape Uro for the fourth time, but you probably lost, right? But you may fail to claw it out. But uh, so 
uh, Brad Barclay, our champion, didn't drop a single match in Historic running Azorius Control. And remember, yeah. Azorius Control was just 5% of the field. Uh, the other pilots did not fare so well. Uh, so this just might be the the instance of like the perfect deck for the metagame piloted by someone who knows the deck uh, in and out. And then also getting uh, the good draws. But I, I, I love Brad Barclay's uh, lineup for both tournaments. So <laughs> Demir control followed by Azorius control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I have to say, like, Brad Barclay is a very, 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 very awesome player for bringing both of those decks to the tournament. <laughs> also, I think the first Scottish Pro Tour champion. I uh, believe so. Yeah, but uh, are we still yeah, calling these maybe. Pro Tours? Like, I, I don't... <laughs> yeah, I, who... Who knows? Who knows anymore? I the, think yeah. the first set championship person yep. from, from <laughs> Scotland. I and I, I also like that. By the way, in in Brad Barclay's list, he's got the two main deck cages. Uh, I I I've been a fan of the main deck cage, and I'm glad that you know people are just starting to play that in the main because. I I've said it before and I'll say it again. Graft Digger's cage is like the glue that <laughs> that or at least it's it's the responsible card in historic that makes it so fair magic happens. That that's the sign of a healthy format. <laughs> main <laughs> deck Graft Digger's cage. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're start. It's pretty much the main deck leyline of the void, right? For modern. <laughs> so we focused a lot on goblins and bloat control, which they were the two decks in the finals. The rest of the top eight. Uh, six Earl Piles, uh, either four color or straight salt eye, which really they're essentially the same deck. One is splashing yeah. some number of Yasharns, but it, it is really like very, very, very similar. So rest of the top eight, all Earl Piles also of note, and this is a little complicated by the split format, but Jund and Racto Sacrifice were the number one deck going in. They didn't get anyone into the top eight, whether or not that's because they performed badly in standard or performed poorly <laughs> they timed in out. historic. <laughs> don't really know timed out trying to cat oven loop that's also possible but i think it's it's definitely notable so uh before we move on to talk about standard do you think there needs to be changes to historic based off of this metagame like just looking at the metagame how are we feeling about uro like is that a card we still want running around after watching the tournament i know goblins was only 12 percent, but boy is muxus like uh, it's a Hearthstone, it's very much a Hearthstone card. Like, it's, it's somewhere between do nothing and win the game when it enters the battlefield, which just, maybe that's good for coverage, but boy is it obnoxious to play against, I think. I, I, I think the fact that now there are some goblin decks that are just trying to go for the turn three Muxus, you know, with, with, or I mean, it, they've always been able to kind of like turn three, which is kind of disgusting. Uh, but they've gotten a lot, they, they've gotten more consistent turn threes when they've got the, uh, Eren Crag feet. Uh, yeah. so, so like, I, I do think that Muxus and like goblins as a whole is operating on a whole nother power level. Cause if, imagine if you don't have a sensor, an ether gust or something like that. Let's say you're just playing like fair magic and you don't have counter spells. How are you supposed to beat that? Yeah. And I think 
it, I think it's one of those decks that's probably overrepresented on the ladder because you get to play really quickly. And if you want to just like rank up, it seems like kind of the perfect deck compared to trying to like cat oven loop for 45 minutes yeah. or blue white control or Uro control. Like goblins, I think sees way more play on the ladder than it does in tournaments like this, just because it's such an ideal deck to rank up with on the ladder. Right. So you play against it a lot on arena, I think. At least I do. And I think that I, I definitely also play against goblins a lot. And that's why I'm up to about three cages at least in the main <laughs> of most decks uh, that I play. And with with the Saltai, like, you know, the Uro piles, I'll I'll say it again, you know, I, I, I think that Uro and Nissa should just be deleted. Just just delete those two cards. I I I I look, I, I will always advocate for Nissa to get deleted because every time anybody untaps with that card, you lose the game. Yeah, so, that, that is that is true. I'm gonna say that Historic needs goblins because outside of goblins it just yeah. looks and feels like standard. Uh, it's the it's the same stuff we've been seeing, like sacrifice, Euro piles, you know, stuff like that. And goblins is like the one deck where like we we haven't seen in standard, and that's what's keeping historic looking like not standard, basically. Right? It doesn't really help that like these are some of the saltiest auras. standards ever, right? Like I don't want to see any more Teferis, right? I don't want to see any more Uros, right? So at least I'm like, okay, Muxus, sure, it looks a little broken and whatever, but it looks different, right? I don't want to see you ramping into an Ugin. Like I've seen enough of this, right? So yeah, we I, have Tron. <laughs> I, I mean, you can't argue that Historic is kind of just like the graveyard of band standard decks. You have like number one cat oven, number two Uro. I mean, but uh, moving down the list, it's just like where the cards from standard once they get banned, they go to continue to annoy people. It's like most like of magic from the last. Like I feel like most of the formats kind of look like that in some way, though, right? Because yeah, I mean, these cards true. are so format warping, and like they're so powerful. Like, Uro, that's everywhere, you know what I mean? Like, you, sure, you see some Teferis, but, like, I, I, I do believe that a good amount of the the last couple of years is kind of just sprinkled throughout all of the formats, <laughs> and, uh, specifically Uro. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't even, yeah, I don't even advocate for a Muxus ban. I, I, I'm just, I do think that Goblins is a powerful deck, but like Richard said, we need some kind of aggro combo-ish deck, right? But 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 Uro and and Nissa, I I think those two should go. Everything like everything else can stay. I just don't like those two cards. <sighs> yeah, I just hate the design of Muxus. I think I hate the the random element. I think is what drives me it drives me a little bit crazy. But I, I do agree that on power level alone, it probably doesn't need to get banned. So maybe the most surprising thing for me this weekend is if you look at the two meta games, uh, standard is significantly more diverse than historic is which came as kind of a surprise to me like the top decks are less played there's actually six decks that are roughly 10 percent or more of the meta which is kind of astoundingly healthy for standard of the past couple years like the best standard has been since i don't know war the spark maybe pre-war the spark even like we're going back 18 months now or something that standard has been at this good of a place for a tournament uh what do you guys think about standard like are you enjoying it i think obviously the format is diverse is it uh is it something that's fun for you guys right now there like i mean though it is like you know diverse right like just want to state that diversity of the format could still lead to like some weird gameplay issues but i actually don't feel that way about this one right this is this is pretty good i i I think it's 
just funny that it took like what like nine bands but and like most <laughs> of Eldrain to like like Eldrain still is dominating this format so I I will say that and that shows you how absolutely busted Eldrain is but I I think it is a fun format when, when like Rogues is a deck you can beat if you re- like anyone really wanted to prepare for it and Girl Adventures is very like represented but beatable and Mono Green Food is like I think my ideal matchup if I'm playing Demir Control, right? So I I I really like this format. There's an archetype for everybody. So, yeah. Except combo, I guess. I, I, I'll yeah, drop ahead, you. Richard. I'll drop you the facts from a casual now. <laughs> I haven't played standard because it's all dominated by Eldrain, and I've played enough Eldrain by now, right? And then if you so Rogues is is a new uh, is something from the new set, right? But the rest of the cards are like Eldrain and then Ikoria. And we've played enough, like I've seen enough Ember Cleaves, I've played enough Ember Cleaves, right? Like, yes, mono food, uh, mono green food was like cool for a while, but you know, that was just, that's just playing like Oko without the Oko, right? So, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel while it is diverse, it isn't especially interesting because like this is like the third or fourth set or whatever that we've played the same, uh, basically adventures deck, right? The Eldrain cards. So I, I'm, I'm all done making food and drawing off my adventures and storybook cards or whatever. So I'm just waiting for the next set, right? Like, even though Zendikar Rising just released like a month ago. So, so I don't know. I, I feel while it, it is diverse, like it's just the same overpowered cards from a couple sets ago that are still in the format. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I'm kind of like in between the two of you. Uh, it does feel very samey to me. Like it is a lot of the stuff we've been seeing uh, at various times, discounting like the obviously broken stuff they got banned, but it is a lot of the same archetypes, food, adventures, etc., doom foretold that we've seen over and over again. So uh, that is, I guess, a drawback to some extent that we're not seeing a ton of brand new stuff. We're not seeing a ton of uh, like Zendikar Rise decks, I would say, outside of rogues would be the exception to that for the most part. So it does feel kind of the same. At the same time, it's really hard to complain about diversity, especially in a format like Standard. Like, I'll take you know, the same decks we've seen in a diverse format where you have 10 different playable decks or more compared to 50% Wilderness Reclamation or 50% Omnath or 70% Oko or whatever. It oh, is yeah, definitely kind it is kind of mind-blowing that the six best cards, presumably, from Throne of Eldraine are banned, and you can argue that all of the best cards, or at least all of the best decks in Standard, are still built around Throne of Eldraine cards. Like, that's how insane that set was, is you chop out the six best cards, and it's still by far the best thing going in Standard, with Ember Cleaves and Doom Foretolds, the food decks with Troll Kings, like, it's Bone kind of crusher shocking. Giant. <laughs> Bone Crushers and Brazen Borrowers yeah. and... Yeah, it's it's really mind-blowing that you could get rid of that many cards. There aren't many sets like that. Could you imagine if you took, like, the six best cards out of Theros Beyond Death, let's say? Like, you get rid of... <laughs> Are there the, even... There's nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, like... Six to hit? Yeah, <laughs> like, the set just doesn't exist if you do that. But with Throne of Eldraine, it was so busted that you could do that, and it's still the best set in Standard by a pretty wide margin, I think. I, that's, that is very true and very disgusting. So, like, at the same, like, you know what I mean? Cause it's, it's like, wow. Why? Why is Eldraine so powerful? Oh my gosh. When, like, I remember, like, we had talked about it, right? A while back when this was coming out. And I remember we were doing our top 10 video. Yeah, like, we, we, talked about like how a lot of this set just seems 
absolutely bonkers, right? But it, it, it's funny because I was really high on cards like Brazen Borrower and Brazen Borrower was like, when you look at a card like Brazen Borrower, everybody should be like, now that is a mythic. That is absolutely wild. But it kind of just when in spoiler season, it got passed as a, ah, it's decent. It could see play. Yeah, I, I, remember, I still, I still I, don't feel like it's a mythic. Like it's obviously very strong, but it's well, uh, it's, it's like a utility card. It's like a utility <laughs> card. It's but not it's like so good. Like a card like that is so good. It bounces a non-land permanent and gives you a three-one flash flyer. <sighs> right? You look at that, and that's I would say that's pretty good. I, I mean, I just, fatal push a mythic. That's also really I don't, good. <laughs> I don't want my I don't want my my into the royals to be mythics. I want to be able to spend like a rare wild card or an uncommon wild card for like the glue cards that hold my deck together. It's I mean, obviously really strong. I would put it maybe in the top ten cards in the set, even counting the banned cards. It's like I think right on the edge of the top ten, which shows how deep the Throne of Eldorade is. Yeah, so it's exactly. obviously an insane card. I think but I still wish thing. it was rare. I mean, yeah, rare, mythic, you know, uncommon, whatever, right? Like, the thing here is, for me, like, when you look at that set and Brazen Borrower coming, like, is, you know, pretty low on the top ten of the list, is yeah. is pretty pretty bonkers to me. Yeah, someone, someone on Twitter, because uh, this came up on Twitter, and someone asked, like, so what would you say the, the top ten cards, counting the banned cards, are would be from the set. Like, what are what are your top 10? And I tried to make a top 10 list, and the problem I kept running into is I, I couldn't get, like, Mystical Sanctuary, a card that's, like, breaking modern, essentially, like, on the list because there's so many cards. Like, I had Oka, Once Upon a Time, Fires, Embercleave, Cat, Great Henge, Bone Crusher, Lucky Clover, Questing Beast, Brazen Barwer. That's 10, and that doesn't include Robber the Rich, Castles, Fabled Passage, Stone Coil Serpent, Gilded Goose, Mystical Dispute, Doom Foretold, Torbrand, Claim the Firstborn, Trail of Grubs, Drown of the Lock, Murderous Rider, Mystical Sanctuary. That's a who's who of the cards that are breaking various formats <laughs> at the moment. Like, it blows my mind how good that set is. Like, and the other thing about that is, if you remember back to when it happened, and we were in all the, the uproar over Oko, Wizards published an article that said, like, outside of the outliers, like Oko, Once Upon a Time, like, this is kind of what we're shooting for power level-wise, so <laughs> interesting, interesting for sure. Not I, mean, a, no. I, I remember having discussions about with the kind of one set uh, on a plane uh, release that, like, basically parasitic mechanics like uh, adventures or food, like they don't have a chance, right? You're not gonna have enough support cards. And then as new sets release, you're not gonna get any more synergies. Uh, but turns out wizards just made them so strong that even without any new synergies, like the, the same core and the same uh, cards have just lasted throughout like basically all of standard and even like goose, plus Oko is enough for like older formats, right? Like that, that food synergy is just enough, right? So I, I think Wizards was trying to solve this issue of like when we visit a plane for one set and one set only, how do we make mechanics that work together but are powerful enough? And then they just overshot, right? It's just so powerful that it just dominates everything uh, and it doesn't need any additional cards. And I think that's something maybe that they are learning from and changing because it does seem like 
even just based on what we've seen from Zendikar Rising, that part of their goal this year is to kind of have sets synergized together more instead of having these, like, standalone parasitic sets. Because we know we got, like, Party, and we know we're getting a D&D set. We got part of the Fliplands, we know we're getting the rest of them in Keldhive. So in some ways, it kind of feels like they're borrowing from the old system, where mechanics and sets and uh, themes are carrying over from set to set, which wasn't something that was really happening in the beginning of the standalone block era. So I think they're, like learning from that and heading in the right direction with it but who knows uh who knows how long it'll take to uh to actually come to fruition because it's a a slow process when they change things as far as uh, designing sets because they work so far ahead anyway any other thoughts on uh standard or historic or the zendika rising championship before we hit up some other news um i mean no I, i like i guess for me the final touches are like standard if a deck like demir control and stuff like that can be good I think that's a format i like and i mean I'm like i'm sure just, you do Krim. i'm sure you yeah do. <laughs> yeah i i just i because I, like i mean and it's not even the best deck right I, I just think that a deck like that where i can play that okay that's cool because that, that means fair magic is like playable somewhat fair and i mean i i wasn't blocking anyway so ember cleave no ember cleave whatever <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> So the other big piece of news this week is Wizards had their weekly stream last week and talked a lot about secret layer drops, a little bit about the past, a lot about the future and what to expect uh, coming up. So Richard, what did uh, Wizards let us know that's coming up secret layer wise? All right. We have, uh, they actually revealed a secret layer for the pathways, the new MDFC lands that come into play untapped. Uh, is coming similar to, I guess it's the replacement for the Fetchland drop, uh, we had earlier. Uh, more artist series coming next year. Uh, so we had the Seth McKinnon artist series this year already. Uh, I guess Bob Ross, but they're bringing back old artists that have drawn cards, uh, from Magic's history and they're bringing them back under the artist series. Uh, they announced the, the Foglios, who I guess the most famous card is Kumbaj witches, maybe. Uh, but if you look at some of their cards, it's it's the art that we've been talking about when we we talk about old school magic art and how unique it was, and how kind of nowadays it's all homogenous. Well, they're bringing that back for Secret Lair, and then they also showed us a nature's lore, aka movie poster that looks blue card. Um, <laughs> You should see it on your screen right now if you're watching it on YouTube, but it literally looks like a postcard or something you would buy at a national park. (laughs) And it's blue for some reason instead of green. Uh, I don't know if I can disagree more with this card. It is sweet, but it just does not look green to me. Uh, And then... I think that's why I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the news that no one really wanted to hear... Walking Dead Secret Lair was the greatest selling secret lair of all time. It exceeded all expectations and it got in a lot of non-magic players to to buy the product. So a resounding success from Wizards point of view. Not surprised though. Remember I I, I told you all like when I logged, I just like logged in to check it out. The website was lagging. Yeah. Well, I mean, that always happens. I I mean, yes. Yes. Sorry. Let me rephrase. (laughs) The outside of the usual lagging that comes from any kind of Watsy run thing. Yeah. So, I mean, start speculating for whatever popular franchise uh, that you will think will come for in 2021. I still wonder if the same 
the same goal could have mostly been met if they were silver bordered. Like, if you're not a magic player, do you even know the difference between silver border and black border? Do you care if your card is legal in Legacy? I would guess the answer is no. So if that's, like, a big part of the audience, I still feel like they could have probably sold a ton of copies to Walking Dead fans, and some to magic fans, too, and not had the community freak out at them if they just made them silver border. I think the magic community bought these cards up. I, I believe everyone like shouts and yells and then FOMO overtakes and they bought them anyway secretly and don't don't tell anyone. Uh, so even though it's so, like a lot of them sold to not magic players, I think a lot of magic players bought them because they feared, you know, the price would increase or something or one day they needed somewhere. Uh, but I mean, a lot of casual players play commander, right? Like I, I don't think casuals are like to the extent where they just play like random piles uh, from their shoebox or something, right? I think casual players in this aspect is like they maybe they don't watch content, but they do have like a hundred card commander deck, right? And they do want to play their walking dead cards in their deck. So I, I think making a silver border, like no one would buy it. Like it, it's like you just can't play it, right? It's just a something you hang on your wall versus something you can put in your deck. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess that's true. I guess that's true, but, ah, oh, geez. Well, I guess we'll see. That does mean we're going to be getting more of them, I'm sure, because uh, Wizards does like making money, which uh, I guess is kind of their job, but <laughs> so we'll see what uh, crossovers come next. I like the nature's lore. I do wish the color scheme was greener because it does very much look like a blue card but the art looks really cool uh and apart from the fact that you have no way of knowing it's a green card by just looking at it uh i actually think it looks really sweet and i would play it but i do wonder why maybe they couldn't have just like had the background colors be a little bit greener and a little less blue and that would have uh, maybe improved it what i'm gonna do is break out my trading cards from when i was like 10 years old so like uh oh like the oh what is it it's like garbage pale kids or i can't remember what it's called we had like all these like weird cards i'm just gonna slot them into my commander deck and see if anyone notices because <laughs> it's starting to get ridiculous right like these cards <laughs> like can you just imagine like a, a deck of like you know like a 5c deck and then you just put all these cards in like your your deck is not recognizable as a magic deck anymore so <laughs> it's like is this yeah. a really cool proxy or is this an official card nobody knows anymore right <laughs> there, there's not even like the the hollow foil stamp or do you think they're going to add it in the, this is just a mock do you think there's a hollow I was, foil i was actually kind of surprised because there's no there's no like a uh, type line either there's no like artist or copyright or any of that stuff and i think even like the heavy metal cards actually have that at the bottom and that's probably the closest thing we've seen to this nature lore so i don't know if this is a mock-up and they haven't uh haven't added it yet or not but i was definitely surprised not to see that because even other similar cards with the same kind of like artwork have had that on there so this is even next level compared to like the the heavy metal cards they just released yeah i assume the frame will get put on afterwards i assume this is a baco because i assume we're not getting a square card <laughs> yeah okay okay i guess that's that's probably true what do you think about the secret layer ultimate edition so the the pathway lands uh, do those have enough cachet that people are gonna you know freak out for them and buy them like they did fetch lands or i don't know they just printed them you can still buy booster boxes as endicar rising like are people gonna pay a premium for those like they did for the fetches I, I I'm not sure if like I, I like some of the artworks. I I like the blue black land obviously, but uh, the, all the other ones to me just seem meh. And even with whatever ones come in Kaldheim as of right now, 
I I don't know. Like, is it, are we we're gonna have to buy them all together, right? Like, this is this is gonna be like the how the fetches all came together, right? I think all ten. Yeah, they're gonna add the Keldheim ones in, and you'll buy yeah. like a box set of ten essentially. I don't know. I mean, if I only want just Clearwater Pathway, I might just pick up Clearwater Pathway, right? I mean, it's not like these are super low in stock, and I have to like I I don't know. I I don't really feel like I need to buy the whole set. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that too. And the other thing that I think makes me a little less excited is while the art itself is different, we already have extended borders of these. Like I opened right. some Zendikar Rising Collectors boosters. I honestly couldn't, <laughs> if you put a picture of both of them on the screen, I don't think I could tell you if I didn't look at the set symbol, which one was the secret lair and which one came out of the collector's boosters. So they're not that different than the extended border collector's edition uh, versions you can already get. So they feel less blingy to me, I guess, than some of the other secret layers. Like, why would I spend presumably way more money to get these extended borders when I already have a cheaper extended border edition from Zeneca Rising Collector's boosters? I actually don't like these cards. Like, I don't know. Like, every time I play a pathway, it feels bad. It isn't... It, it, to me, it's not like in my top tier of lands I've put in my commander deck. And then the actual downsides of it, like you have to take it out of the sleeve and flip it, or you have to use a checklist card. Like, it's just super annoying. You got to make sure your sleeves are opaque from the back. Like, I don't know. I just rather not deal with it. So like, I don't actually don't like playing these in my commander deck, right? I feel like they go pretty far down the list. I would start with like, you know, shock lands, fetch lands, um, Triomes, I think I would see Scrylands. I play Scrylands over those. Battle Bond lands first, right? And then wait, I don't know, wait, like, wait. Is this is this based just on like playing with it literally, or yeah. like and you know like like but or is it like you don't like because I I think these are like design wise, these are really awesome. This is this is like gameplay wise, right? I think they yeah. could have chosen better dual lands to appeal to commander players. I think that's true. I think they're actively pretty bad in commander um at least that's my opinion because i feel like in commander especially if you're playing non-cdh commander you know six seven power level commander having some tap lands like scry lands is not the end of the world and having your dual lands only tap for a single color of mana is extremely punishing in a format where a lot of decks are three colors four colors, five colors, and that just kind of cuts these lands out all together because in a three-plus color deck, your dual land only tapping for one color mana is way, way, way more painful, I think, over the long run than having to play a Triome that comes into play tapped or something. So I actually think they're pretty bad for Commander, which does kind of make them a weird choice for this kind of product when uh, they could do... I don't know, like the, the Battle Bond lands, if they wanted something more specifically focused on Commander, or uh, many other cycles, honestly, uh, that could that could have filled this void compared to the Pathways. Although the Pathways, they are really good in Standard. They are showing up more and more in formats like Pioneer and Historic, and even Modern, I see them on occasion, where if you're playing a two-color aggro deck, they are, like, pretty good in those formats. I still think they're good in two-color decks in EDH. Uh, but... Yeah. Like right, like I mean, because it's rather that I'd rather have that than like, you know, there's like no shortage of tap Demir lands. Let's say, uh, so <laughs> what, what about the ones one. that gain you a life, Krim? The cheaty lands. You can't cut the cheaty lands. <laughs> yeah, that gain you we, a life yeah. for this. <laughs> the cheaty lands stay. The cheaty lands stay. Dismal backwater is a friend. Krim doesn't play enough green, but actually, the problem with 
even like a monocolor deck or a two-color deck is you don't have enough basics to fetch with all your ramp. <laughs> so like whatever lands you play, like they need to be really strong uh, because you have so many utilities and then like your basic dual lands like command tower and things like that, that I often run out of like basics and that I will actually cut dual lands for basics so that I can actually do oh, yes. you know, like, you know, far seek into Kodama's reach into uh, whatever four CMC two force ramp I want to grab. So yeah, I don't like pathways. <laughs> and plus it's ultimate edition. You can't put, I don't know. I feel they could have gotten a lot, like even like the canopy lands or whatever, like horizon canopy, like stuff like that. I feel there are a lot of lands they could have used uh, rather than the pathways. I will say, before we move on, um, the artist series, uh, layer drops, that's kind of exactly what I want secret layers to be. Like, you get the nostalgia of having these old artists coming back, uh, some of them very beloved artists that haven't made magic art in a long time, presumably making cool new versions of reprints so you avoid the unique card issue. So I, I think that was a huge and very good choice by Wizards. Like, I, I'm super hyped for the artist series to see what the uh, Foglios and, like, there's rumors Rebecca Gay's doing one because she mentioned she has a new product coming out this year and she's a very beloved magic artist that hasn't made art in a long time so i think the artist series is a really really good choice and i'm definitely down for more of those in the secret layer series telling you she's gonna make aminatu sensei's divining top and counterbalance that's that's... (laughs) (laughs) and it's just gonna be called the crim special and look I wouldn't even be mad. I wouldn't be mad, you know? They're, they're going to throw, throw in a Nyssa in there. Just yeah, yeah, just random and also Nyssa. Uh, all right. So last piece of news this week before fish mail, that this just kind of came out today on the MTG Finance subreddit first, and then it went to the main subreddit. We got some more Keldheim packaging. We actually get a close-up look at a booster pack, uh, and also the packaging of two commander decks that will be coming. It looks like a Golgari deck and a Azorius deck uh, will be coming along with Keldheim. Any thoughts on this little drip of Keldheim news? We've been getting like little drips and drags over the last couple of weeks. Spoiler season, I think, is still like a month away, but what do you make of this packaging? Uh, I mean, so far, like... <laughs> It kind of just reminds me of this Thor pin that I have, um, like for at least the booster packs, um, and 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 yep. it's like fused with like the death metal cards that we just yeah. saw. It looks just and, like secret layer. <laughs> yeah, and and if you're telling me that okay, I, I might be in the minority with this one, but like if you're telling me more magic cards look like the metal stuff, oh yeah, that's sick. I mean. Those could be the showcase cards, right? Like, yeah, we get some like heavy metal showcase cards with this. I think that would be cool. I think it's also notable that the booster pack that we see, it's not a face. Like, normally you have a character on there. We're looking at what is probably an equipment. I would guess like a hammer. Like that, that to me says that's an equipment, which if they're putting on the booster pack has got to be one of the big cards in the set, the chase cards of the set. So I don't know. Are we going to get some new busted equipment? It's been a while. Like equipment's improved. We got Embercleave, obviously. Uh, we had some decent ones from Battle for, or Zendikar Rising. Like, um, all the Skyclave is pretty good. It shows up in modern, but yeah. (laughs) It's it's going to be hammer of fire and ice and hammer of light and shadow, <laughs> and that is how it's going to go down. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that would be cool. Uh, <laughs> like, I would, actually, I would, be would would you like that? Like, let's say they just made it, uh, l- l- like just two mana to play, but it's plus one plus one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't think I actually want functional reprints of swords. I think that would be a little. <laughs> well, I hope would, it's something new and unique. They wouldn't but... <laughs> be swords, and it would be new. Yeah. <laughs> Hammer of uh, sword of light and shadow. <laughs> Hammer of feast and famine. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that's all we really got from Kaldheim. If you want to go to Reddit and like squint really hard, you can kind of almost make out the face cards of the commander decks, but they're not big enough to really, <laughs> to really know exactly what they say or anything. But if you want to do some internet sleuthing and uh, try to figure out what they say, you can find them on Reddit. Uh, Richard, fish mail? All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we get to your question on air. Uh, Aspired Pro MTG, do you think we need another companion errata? It seems the more time uh, in the standard, the more companions are seeing play. Are they too so good I'm, now? I'm pretty happy with where companions are at now, I think. Like, I feel like we're at a pretty good, a pretty good balance where the good ones especially are good enough that they do see play to some extent. Uh, Yarion, we see Abash a little bit, Luris, of course, but they're not showing up in every single deck like they were before the errata. So I think that's fine. Like, I think it is their current level. I'm glad that they're seeing a little bit of play. I guess it would have been a shame if they just totally uh, eroded them in a way that they are unplayable. If you're going to do that, you might as well just ban them straight up uh, rather than do something ridiculous like that. So I don't know. I think I'm pretty okay with where companions are at at the moment, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I have no issues with companion. I, it's so funny to me. Like, I, it just feels like it's been so long ago since companions were a problem for me. Uh, and, and you, you kind of always liked him too. Yeah, I, I remember also, when we I were also talking already about liked him. Beginning, you were like, you kind of already liked him even went before the Rada to some extent. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked what they were trying to do with it. Yes, <laughs> some companions are obviously very broken, but yeah, I, I thought it was. It, I don't know. I, I don't think it's that big a deal right now. Uh, Joe Bovita, with so many magic products coming out, it's increasingly impossible to get all of them. Are we going back to Richard Garfield's original vision of limited product availability as part of the game? I mean, the thing is, most of those products are reprint products. So I feel like casually, yes, you could go back to that way. But I feel like you still need to keep up on a lot of these products if you're going to play like competitively, quote unquote. If you're going to try to like play in tournaments or grind on arena, you still kind of got to keep up with them. So I, I don't think we're back to the days of, uh, you know, where Richard Garfield initially thought like, oh, Black Lotus isn't a problem because you might not even know anyone that has a Black Lotus because they're going to be so infrequent and you're going to buy so few cards. And even if you do, you have one player in your playgroup that has one copy, like, whatever, that's not a big deal. I don't think we're going back to that. Like, we have the magic internet. You can buy whatever cards you need. We have tons of deck lists that are available. So I I don't imagine we're going to go back to some casual free-for-all where people are not playing good cards because of availability issues. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like it depends on who you ask. Like, I can't imagine if you're in high school and you're playing Magic, like, you're just dropping $500 or 1000 to, like, play. If you play, like, Legacy or Vintage, you are restricted by what's available to you, right? Like, if you just have, like, Blue-Red Dual Lands, you're only playing Blue-Red decks, right? Like, that's all you got. 
So it, it is like that to some extent, but I don't think this would apply to like say standard or something like going forward. I, I think because it's a competitive game, like all players expect to have access to all of the cards, which is why people always lament about the price of magic. Like if you don't have all the cards, you just cannot play standard competitively. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Apollo Gods, how long do you think Magic Arena will last, lifetime-wise, in its current state if nothing changes? For example, with the economy, uh, the way Standard has gone the last year or so, and questionable card design choices. Hmm. Hmm. So, so okay, uh, I'll start with this one. So I, I answered Wizards survey this weekend. It showed up in my email, their Magic Arena survey. And one of the questions that shows up on all these surveys is how do you think Magic Arena as a whole is doing right now? Is it increasing? Is it holding steady? Or is it decreasing? And I think I had always chosen uh, increasing, improving, until this survey was the first time where I clicked holding steady, I think, was my, my option this time around. So I actually made me wonder, like, does Wizards view this as another Magic Online, a client that people are going to be using for literally almost 20 years now for Magic Online, or is Arena a a disposable free-to-play game like Magic Duels, where, you know, it lasts for five years, it gets popular, it gets less popular, Wizards eventually shuts down the servers, and we have, whatever, Magic Arena 2 or Magic Duels Returns or some other, like, digital client. What do, what do you guys think? Like, what is Wizards' long-term plan? Is this even intended to be, like, a client that lasts for 20 years, or is it more of a short-term thing? Uh, I I would like to hope, with how much we've sunken in this year, that this is a client that, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> that is a client that we can, like, keep playing. Obviously, I'd love for it to, like, succeed. Um, I mean, it's... <sighs> but to say how long it'll last, that really comes down to, yeah, like, how much they actually put into it, right? We've already got, like, other clients, like, or, I mean, Runeterra, who've, who just, like, held their first, like, digital GP, right? In client. Um, and so I would really like for Arena to stay around, but in order for that to happen, you've got to actually kind of brush up on it. Like, I mean, I don't know if they will, as you've seen, like, Moto is kind of ancient, but, you know, <laughs> ooh. so, like, for if, if I'm hoping, if I'm looking at Moto and, like, that is what's going to be you know arena eventually down the line i am concerned but i have to have faith that they are going to update it and change it over time so yeah there's yeah there's no way they would abandon it um unless like the whole world changes which is what they did with magic online right like with magic online everything was one-to-one with real money and the paradigm in our world today is you want to cut ties with money and replace them with gems so people don't understand like what they're spending and then like free to play it right that's how all games are built so they abandoned magic online and made arena i can't imagine them abandoning arena like if anything it'll be something like world of warcraft or league of legends where like five years from now they release a new client based on the existing infrastructure so your account would carry over but your new client would have fancy graphics and things like that but i can't imagine in five years them saying oh migrate to magic arena too and you know that historic collection you've been building that cost you like eight thousand dollars it's now down the tubes right i i highly doubt they would ever do such a thing unless 
like in eight years, like the monetization of games changes. That we we're no longer like loot boxy gems. Like it's it's become illegal or something, right? And they have to use like a new system. But I just can't imagine them like throwing it all away. Like they would just make another client using your existing account, which is something they should have done with the original Magic Online. They should have ported your collection over, but they didn't, right? So, so, so bold prediction. When we were looking back on this 10, 20 years in the future, Magic Online will uh, will clunk along with its dozens of players and outlive Magic Arena. <laughs> I think I think Magic Online is just never going to go away. It'll probably, you know, never be huge or popular, but it feels like it's pretty easy for Wizards to just maintain it at this point with, you know, one intern or something <laughs> keeping no, it keeping it patched together. It, it's going to die. So eventually there won't be enough legacy and vintage and modern players, right? And then the cost of coding new cards for each set will be too much. So I think it will eventually die. I don't think they can clunk it along forever because they have to keep updating it. And you see, like, Commander Legends, like, broke all of Moto, right? <laughs> like, they, they can't keep this thing alive cheaply, right? It costs them a lot of resources to keep going. So I out. think eventually there just won't be enough players to justify them coding new cards for new sets. I hear. I, I would like for this to happen, and it is... There aren't enough players to keep worth to keep Moto running, and, you know, it, Arena is just infuriating everybody. And so together... They fuse the two. Hear me out, all right? Whoa. <laughs> and we just use one client, and we have a good old time using one client. Everything's streamlined. And hear me out. This is the best part. Maybe, just maybe, you've heard of Cyberpunk 2077, but have you heard of Spectator Mode 2077? Let me tell you that. <laughs> Boom. Right there. Technology is ready. <laughs> it's another five years for spectator technology, Krim. We know this. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> being a bit ambitious. I'm sorry, but you know, I thought maybe, just maybe, in the year 2077, we maybe could have spectator. They're pushed to esports and their investment into esports, and they're like, "Do you have a spectator mode? Can you replay <laughs> games from a bug? What if the game crashes? Like, no, none of this, right? We're just esports. Just e what does that mean? I don't know. We're esports. Just respond with esports. Okay. <laughs> it just makes me think of that meme where. Like, there's a huge leak, and then they just slap a Band-Aid over the hole in the leak. You know what it actually reminds e me of? Esports. You know the, the Office episode where they're doing parkour? Yeah. And they're just, like, running around. Like, I feel like they're just running around, and they're like, Esports. Parkour. Esports. Yeah. 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 That, is exactly, that is exactly it, too. <laughs> All right, last question, uh, bro. Here, one. I really like the party mechanic, but I think it needs to be pushed a little more to be competitively viable. What mechanic slash card over the years did you enjoy, but wish had been a bit more pushed so it could have seen more play? Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. Food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Energy. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of like, yeah, like what was not really popular but i'm going to i'm going to say i'm going to say soul shift <laughs> soul going shift that far it's, back it's an interesting mechanic getting your spirits back from the graveyard unfortunately 
At the time, Wizards thought that to have that be a mechanic, they had to make each of your creatures cost, like, three more mana. So you had a lot of, like, six mana three twos and stuff that had the mechanic on it. So I think it's an interesting mechanic, but the cards were just so, so bad and overcosted that you couldn't really do anything with it. So fix Soul Shift. Let's go, let's go old school. All the way back uh, to Kamigawa. <sighs> I'm going to say reinforce. The good old, <laughs> the good old Kithin <laughs> mechanic. Oh, where I was like, "What is use, that?" You can use a card in your hand uh, and pay its reinforced cost and plus, put plus one plus one counters on something. So basically, you turn your creatures into like sorcery speed combat tricks. Uh, it's just not costed in any way such that you would give up that card advantage. Uh, but similar to how they fixed auras with like the bestow creatures and things like that they i think they could have fixed reinforce somehow to make it competitively viable so to to turn basically all your creatures into combat tricks maybe that's just like the the adventure cards <laughs> maybe that's what that actually is but yeah reinforce my, my pick is going to be one that was played but not like um like it wasn't like a deck entirely on the mechanic which would be morph megamorph <laughs> More. Yeah, they already fixed it. They already fixed they it. Fixed it already, no, 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 no. I, I want, I want, just because they slapped Mega in front of it, that doesn't change anything. I, I want Morph decks. So, so not just a few Morph cards sprinkled throughout the deck. I mean, all in on the tribal part of it, where it is just nothing but face down cards. So when you, people walk by and look at what game you're playing, they have no clue what's going on through the sleeves. <laughs> and, and maybe it's because I just constantly want to yell, you've activated my trap card <laughs> and then flip op- <laughs> flip up a card. But I liked morph and I would love to see morph tribal. Not, not just like, like, yeah, I know den protector was played, but I want more than a den protector. How about Manifest? <laughs> Manifest is also more fixed. No, I didn't like Manifest. Manifest is like medium. You know, like, man, it, there is a difference. I like Morph a little bit more. All right. Coming in 2021, we're going to have Mythic Megamorph. Okay. Mythic Megamorph. <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when it flips, it gets a plus one, plus one counter, and then adds like three mana, three green mana to your mana pool. <laughs> draws a card too. <laughs> are you are you sure that isn't just like you can pay like when it enters the battlefield like the new mythic megamorph whatever you want to call it <laughs> is gonna just also do something when you etbs and then when you flip it up it'll do something else oh that'd be good. and then check this out you can then turn it face down but at a 90 degree angle again for an exit like morph cost again so you just do this revolving door just woohoo just constantly flipping cards up and down i actually wonder if they'll bring in like the the, the half tap like instead yeah. of tapping 90 degrees you well, tap 45. they are mythic morph it's it's <laughs> it's gonna be a thing they, they did mark the my words they did the untap i want to see either the quarter tap the half tap or like the 360 tap right? <laughs> you have it would just become pokemon you know that right we would Spin have to turn in a circle <laughs> this is mythic oh. morph it has to be face down upside down <laughs> okay cool <laughs> uh all right uh that's all the fish mail we have this week thank you to everybody who sent them in if you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 306 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Cribb, 
Thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Shudder for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So until then, have a great week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. Bye.